Good morning, all you overlanders, off-roaders, campers, whatever division of the overlanding world that you are. Welcome to the Overlanding Philosopher Podcast. This is Joey the Professor, and I'm here today to just visit with you about why I chose, or did I choose, overlanding as a lifestyle. Maybe it chose me. I don't know. It just seemed to fill a gap, fill a role. It just seemed to come into my life and and take over. Man, it's been a great week. Busy week at work. Did the Overland radio show last night with Michael and Lee on the All Over Overland show. And, um just been a great week visiting with friends talking about the future figuring out what we're going to do and it just kind of made me go back and reminisce a little bit about about me and how did I get into this you know I've gotten myself into so many things in my life and I sit back and wonder how did I get myself into this and my wife tells me all the time How'd you get me into this? I mean, it's just one of those things that you ask yourself when you get yourself into a situation, how'd I get myself into this? And so I want to talk a little bit about that today and really think about where I started and how I've gotten to this point. And so join me. Let's talk about this. Let's reminisce. Let's go down memory lane and just figure out how in the world we got here. But now, let's hear a word from our sponsor. So back when I was a teenager, when I turned 16, I was able to drive. You could not keep me home. I was everywhere. My best friend, who was older than me had had a Dodge Raider and we took that thing everywhere. He lived out in the woods and we went out chasing snakes and going to all these places frog gigging and just trying to see what we could get into. Man, I remember a day that we went out and took his motorcycle, two of us on a motorcycle and we went, we were going out chasing snakes. Well, God has a sense of humor. When you go out doing dumb stuff like that, he, he lets you be successful. And uh, I remember we caught this, I guess it was a king snake. I don't really know. It was laying right in the middle of the road. And I went up there and I caught it. And, uh, and I was, we were taking it back to his house because we were going to, release it in his pond and we were we were going to try to get as many snakes in that pond as we possibly could for I don't know what reason I can't remember but we get on his motorcycle and I'm driving and he's holding the snake and he says hey we need to stop and get the mail because my dad gets mad when I come out this way and don't get the mail and I said okay so I pull up to the mailbox this dummy who's sitting right behind me Let's go of the head of the snake to get the mail. And that snake latches into my back twice. 
And I'm like, ah, you kidding me? I need new friends. Come on now. And we went, let that snake go. And I remember going in his bathroom and pulling my shirt up and having four holes in my back thinking, I don't know what kind of snake that was. I may die. But here I am. I guess I didn't die. But that was just the dumb stuff we got into. We we took that Mitsubishi Raider. We took that motorcycle. We took it out everywhere. And it wasn't very long. I went to college. And I traded my truck for a Suzuki Samurai. And the reason was is because all my buddies... I, I was going to college in a small town there wasn't really a whole lot to do and we really didn't go out drinking and stuff like that that just wasn't our thing uh besides i went to a christian school and you kind of got in trouble for that but they would go out and take their four by fours and go mudding and go out just west of town and follow this dirt road out and there would be all kinds of just trails and big mud holes and stuff like that so i took my truck and traded it for this suzuki samurai i loved it you could take the top off of it it was just cool and because it was so small and the wheelbase was so short it would go anywhere i saved up my money and put some mud tires on and it could go anywhere i wouldn't climb a hill on the highway i'd have to downshift on the interstate to try to get up a small little hill, but it would go anywhere in the woods. And, you know, this was my first experience with a four-wheel drive. And I absolutely fell in love. I don't know if it became an addiction at this point, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, man, this is cool. This is fun. And my buddy and I would take off he and his Raider, me and my Mitsubishi, and my Suzuki Samurai, and we would go camping, we would go hunting, we'd go frog gigging at night. We would do all kinds of stuff. And it was just, I was just an outdoor kind of guy. My dad, he was raised in the country, but in his adult life, you know, he became a doctor. He was a doctor of theology, he was a professor. He likes doing computer things and collecting coins and stamps and not really an outdoorsy kind of guy. But when I was small, my papa would take me fishing. And he taught me to love the outdoors, working with my hands. He could fix anything. He could build anything. And he would make these things called his inventions that he would just find little pieces here and pieces there and put them together and call it an invention and it was a toy or it was a way to keep the door shut better or or just something in the kitchen to help my granny you know hold her pots and pans he just came up with things like that and it was very very cool to me so i latched on to working with my hands and being outside and and loving the outdoors because my grandfather taught me these ways. So with the purchase of my Suzuki Samurai, this was 
This was life-changing in the 1980s for me. We would go out, and we would find mud holes, we would go camping, we'd go fishing, hiking, we'd do some backpacking, we collected gear. I've, I was a gear junkie. I've always loved gear. And so all through college, we would just do all this kinds of stuff. Later, I became married. I didn't finish college. I was in too big of a hurry to get married and got married at too young of an age. I was broke. I would go to work. I go to school. I go to work. I go to school. I go to work. Go to school. And then I quit school. Got two jobs. But I still took time to be in the outdoors. We deer hunted a lot. My wife's family owned land. They were dairy farmers. So they were outdoorsy kind of people. And that kept my love for the outdoors going. We went and tent camped. We bought a small camper and took it up on Greer's Ferry Lake and, and different places. And just continued that love for the outdoors at a young married age. Now I switched jobs, which gave me more freedom. Um, I still hadn't graduated from college yet, but... I was able to make a little more money, have a few more days off, and so that led me into another career where I worked with college students. Now, college students in the late 90s, early 2000s were very adventurous. They loved the outdoors. I took um, my college students on several trips. We went to a place called Noah's Ark in Buena Vista, Colorado where we whitewater rafted and they took us on an overnight camping trip uh, where it rained for two solid days. We peaked a 14er, which just about killed me um, climbing that mountain, but it was fun. Um, we bought uh, backpacks and gear for the, the college students. I got a mountain bike and we would go down to some mountain biking trails every single week and just explore, have fun, take it to the limit, you know, um, things like that. Later on in life, I bought a motorcycle. I'd always wanted one, and my parents knew it. And it was kind of funny because one year for Christmas, my parents get me a model Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and when, my, when I opened it up, my dad looked at me and he said, I hope this is the only one of these you ever own. <laughs> he knew how much I wanted one, and, and when I finally got financially stable um, earlier in life, uh, in my mid-30s and 40s, I went on a whim, bought me a Harley. I, my, I kept kept bugging my wife at the time, kept bugging her, kept bugging her. She finally said, I don't know why you don't have one. You buy everything you want anyway. And so that was a cue to me to go get one. So I traipsed off down to the Harley-Davidson dealership, and I come back with one. And I had never ridden a full-blown motorcycle in my life. You know, the one that my buddy had when we were younger, it was a little Honda that didn't have gears. You didn't have to change gears or shift or anything. It was more like a moped than it was a motorcycle. But here I come home with a Harley Davidson and next thing you know, 
I'm buying a motorcycle camper to pull behind it. It's a little pop-up camper, makes into a queen bed. Really cool little outfit. And my daughters just absolutely love this. And we would go ride, and we would camp, and we would pack up and go ride, and we would camp and pack up, and and it just led into a whole different area of being able to travel and camp. They absolutely loved it. And so it was, it was one of those things that was another life-changing event where it was a different avenue whereby I could travel and camp and travel and camp. Now later on, I was... I got divorced from my first wife and married my second wife, who also was a motorcycle rider, and still is. She rides her own, and that carried over. We would take this camper and go camp, and then I ended up buying another little trailer. that We didn't really use the motorcycle camper a lot, so um, I bought another little trailer that was more efficient, uh, would carry more stuff and bought a tent and we would go to events and camp and ride and camp and ride and camp. Now fast forward to around 2016. I have had multiple jobs pretty much my whole adult life and I have mowed grass for probably about 20 years and the truck that I had it was a Ford F-250. I love this truck. Man, I built this truck up, put a big old bumper on the front of it with a winch, had some weather guard toolboxes on it. I mean, I had it fixed up, mud tires, um, and it looked great. But 2015, this thing, I don't know what happened to it. It just decided that I'm tired and I'm no longer going to work. And so it was... It was one of those deals where this thing's going to sit in the driveway and I'm never going to drive it. It just, the check engine light stays on. There's always something going wrong with it. Ended up putting injectors in it, putting a new exhaust system. I was pouring thousands of dollars into this truck. And so I just, it was just nothing but trouble. So I just made up my mind one day. I'm getting rid of this thing. So I took it to a guy. I said, I just need you to make the check engine light go off. You know, I just need to be able to drive it to Little Rock where I can trade it in. So he worked on it, got the check engine light off. I get it one, get in it one day, and I'd call my buddy who worked at a Toyota dealership down in Little Rock, and, and I said, man, I'm coming to trade my truck. How much can you give me? It was paid for, so I knew I had a good down payment. And... All I needed to do was just get it there. And because it looked good. And with the winch and everything on it, I knew that it would it would it would sell. So he called and he said, Man, I'll give you this much for it. I said, I'll be down there Saturday. So I turned on that thing and I rolled down there knowing that if I get there with the without the check engine light coming on, I'm trading this thing. It is not going home with me. And so I'd found a little Toyota Tacoma, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go down here and look at this truck. I'm going to probably going to trade trucks. And uh, we get down there. Thank God. I prayed the whole way 
The check engine light did not come on. We get down there and I park it, I turn it off real quick. And there is the Toyota Tacoma sitting there. He's got it all washed and cleaned up for me, ready to look at. And we walk up to this thing and the pictures, you know where, a, where you say a lot of times a picture doesn't do uh, something justice? Well, they must have doctored these pictures up because this thing, it was, it was not what I was seeing in the pictures. And we walked up there and my wife said, you're not going to like that. Yeah, I looked there and I said, you know what? You're probably right. So we got there a little early. He wasn't even there yet. So we just decided to take off walking out through the used car lot. And we walked by all these different kinds of vehicles, you know, and I knew what I could afford. And, and I work for the city, so I really don't make a lot of money. And so I knew what my budget was, and we really had to keep it under this amount. And so I was being very picky and choosy about what I looked at because I didn't want to go out there and try to find something that I couldn't afford and fall in love with it and then be very disappointed. So we were walking around and we came up on this Toyota FJ Cruiser. Well, my wife looks at this and she said, what is that? And I remember saying, that's a Toyota FJ Cruiser. I remember when those came out in 2007, there was a dealership east of where we lived and they had this giant rock out in front of their dealership and they pulled this FJ Cruiser up onto this rock. And I remember going by on the interstate thinking, man, that is cool. But I also remember thinking, I'll never be able to afford one of those. And, you know, I didn't want to get my hopes up but we went over and opened the door, took a look at it, and the here in a minute, my salesman buddy pulls up on a golf cart and he said, hey, I got your truck up there. And I said, yeah, that's not for me. I said, but we're looking at this FJ Cruiser. And he said, that's cool. He said, let me show you. He said, let me go get the key. So we went and got the key, showed it to us. We took it for a test drive, and I absolutely loved it. And we went in and talked to him and worked up the numbers on it. And it was actually in my price range where I could bring it home. And so we decided to do it. We decided to go for it. And that changed my life. Again, another life-changing moment. The Suzuki Samurai the motorcycle, and now the FJ. There has never been a vehicle affect me like this. I don't know what you drive, but I am not shopping for a vehicle. This is something that I look at every morning when I walk out and tell it hello. I love it so much, and I've poured so much time and effort into building this rig that I just absolutely love it. It changed my life. I got home and started looking on Facebook and found FJ groups and found FJ forums and realized that this thing has a cult following. It has not been made in two years.
They stopped, stopped making them in 2014. But still, people are out there looking for them and adding mods to them and doing all kinds of things to them. And I just got on these Facebook groups and I was like, man, this is cool. And the very first day I had it, I took it up into the Ozarks National Forest up in North Arkansas. Very first day. Hadn't even got it home good. And we, uh, my wife had to work. I said, man, I'm taking the FJ out. I'm taking the FJ out. I hadn't had a car like this in a long time. So I go up there and I find me a little trail. And, you know, the Sanks doesn't have very good tires on it. And they're almost like street tires. And, but I'm going out anyway, and I go down this little trail, and I come to this mud hole, and I'm like, ah, there ain't nobody out here but me. I don't know about this. So I backed up, and I turned around, and went and explored, found some watersheds, and went down some dirt roads, and just had just had a great day. And I drove it home. It was about 80 miles to get back home. And I get to a stoplight just about two blocks from my house, and I hear air. And I'm like, what is that? I pull up in my driveway and there is a stick that's sticking out of the sidewall in my rear tire. And I thought, Dad, I ain't even had this thing a day. I mean, that's just my luck. So I take it down and buy four used, good, I think they were Toyo all-terrain tires and put on there. They were bigger, made it look better. And I was like, Man, this already looks this already looks better. Already looks better. And so I start doing that and getting it out and, and discovering the national forest all over again where I'd went as a college student, where I'd went as a as a young high school student. We're so very blessed in Arkansas to have two national forests. I was talking to a guy the other day who lives in the Northeast, and he said, how do you find places to go? And I said, well, we have national forests, and they have forest roads, and and you have a mapping software that shows you where all of them are. And he said, I have to drive all the way to West Virginia to get to a national forest. And I thought, how blessed we are here to have two, not just one, but two, where we can go out and explore and get outside and camp and fish and and just be in the outdoors. And it's, it's just a blessing to live here. So I started doing that and going out every week and every weekend. And my wife started going. She started liking it. We started getting, you know, the Coleman stoves and, and, uh, and packing it full of gear. And I got me a box to put everything in. And we'd go out and we'd have lunch. Um, and then uh, we'd come back. And during the week, I'd get on the computer and I'd search these FJ forms. And then I discovered a term, overlanding. Never heard that before in my life. What is that? Driving around, camping, driving around, camping, driving around, camping, exploring, off-road, campsites, national forests, it was kind of an umbrella that had put underneath it everything that I had done my entire life. And now it had become very popular. And it sounded cool. I mean, I've been doing this my whole life. I didn't even know there was a term for it. 
I was just doing it. I found this website called Overland Bound. Now Overland Bound was uh, in its infant stages. Actually, the whole overlanding world was in its infant stages back then. And I got on there and I started reading articles and then I started making comments and then I started making posts. And I was like, I gotta get some people involved in Arkansas. We we need to meet. I need to I need to meet these people that are here and start going out with different people. And I organized a meetup and at a pizza place in Maumelle, Arkansas, and there I met Arkansas Terry, and he showed us his Lexus GX. I met Raw Dog, who I had actually known for a long time, but um, really didn't know this was his thing, and he had a Jeep that he had built up, and he had been going out to Colorado and doing this overlanding thing, and I met others, and from there, we organized trail cleanups, and we talked with Corey at Overland Bound. I talked to her on the phone about the Trail Guardian program and my ideas on it because my wife and I had published that we had gone out and cleaned up some of the trails. And then Arkansas Terry, who I had met at the Overland Bound meetup at the Pete's Place, organized a camping trip in February. We were in. We were in. This was what we do. And going out with others on a camping trip for the first time, seeing how everybody else does this, we were in. It was at a very popular place around Car Wash Falls in the Ozarks. And there were going to be several people there that I had talked to on Overland Bound that I had not met in person yet. Jube and Kelly and a crew of about six Jeeps and others. You know, we were, we were, we had, I've been doing this my whole adult life, but this was so new. There was so much cool stuff out there and cool gear and I had never seen a rooftop tent and my wife and I had a thing called a tent cot, where it was a cot that came out and it was covered. And, you know, it was fairly small, but it would fit in the back of the FJ and had a little table and a Coleman stove and a little pop-up shower tent so we could go use the bathroom. But we just knew we wanted to go out. We didn't know about all the gear and the different things, and I had never seen most of it seen pictures of it on the forums and, and things like that, but we ended up being very educated on things you need and being prepared because this was February in Arkansas. And we had went out, had a great time, went out and did some wheeling, came back and set up camp, and it started getting cold. February is the coldest month in Arkansas, and we experienced something on the Big Piney that I had never in my life seen before, much less experienced. Freezing fog. That night it got down to 28 degrees, and the fog would come into our 
caught and freeze and then our body heat would melt it and it would drip down on our faces. We had that thing completely enclosed. Our buddy heater would not work because of the oxygen sensor and we just about froze to death. We got up that next morning, started the FJ, sat in there, thawed out. Everything that we had gotten out the night before, the Coleman stove, our towels, dish rags, our dishes that I had washed, they were completely frozen. And it was just a very learning experience. And my wife said, on the way home, if we're gonna do this, and I enjoy it. She said, I enjoy it. But if we're going to do this, we're going to upgrade a few things. This tent cot, not comfortable. We didn't sleep at all. We got to have a little more room to move around. We got to get a better stove. We got to get uh, a better table that packs down a little better. We got to get some chairs. We got to get this. We got to get that. So it was a perfect timed event because it was tax refund time. And so within the next month after we went home and I looked at things and researched and looked and researched, we ended up buying an Oztent RV5. We bought a Fox Wing awning and we bought some side panels for the Oztent. And let me tell you, the next time we went out, I remember going out and pulling out that 270 awning for the first time and thinking, this is unreal. And we would get out the Oz tent, which attached to the Foxwing awning, and we would set up the Taj Mahal. And a buddy of mine that we went out with, he sleeps in the in the back of his Xterra. And he was like, man, y'all got more stuff than I've ever seen. And really all we had was the same thing we had before, but we just had a different tent and we had the awning. I mean, we felt like we were big time overlanders. And it made everything so much more comfortable. And I kept thinking, I've been doing this for so long. And the amount of suffering that I have been through on a back trip, backpacking trip, sleeping under a bivy, freezing to death, sucked down in my sleeping bag. And here I am in an Oz tent, sleeping on a blow-up mattress with pillows. Come outside and I'm covered out of the weather. Man, we were hooked. We were hooked. And now with better equipment, with better gear, we fell in love. It was almost like it was a fulfillment in life that had filled a gap that we had been searching for. Yeah, we like to do this, but we didn't realize how fun it would be if you had the right gear. We didn't realize how relaxing it would be if you had things that would take away some stress. It filled a hole. It filled a gap in our lives. And every day, new gear comes out. Overlanding has exploded out in the social media world, out in the real world. It's exploded. 
people are seeing how fun the outdoors can be if you have the right gear. And so there's new gear coming out all the time. And now apparently every there's so many other people out there that have discovered what an amazing thing this could be if you have the right gear. I don't know if it's an addiction, but some people have also felt that same, I don't know if it's a calling, but it's something that filled a gap in their life. Something that let them get away from the stress and the anxiety of everyday nine to five work. To get away from people, to get away from video games, to get away from TV, from internet, and just take a break and to breathe. It was huge for us. And this has become so popular so fast. There are groups popping up everywhere. Natural State Overland came and they did a bonfire and we went. And we got to meet more people that we had talked to on social media, but we had never met in person. And we got to camp with them. We got to see their rigs and see how they live life. We got to go to the rendezvous and see even more rigs and how they do overlanding and how they do life. We went to a Razorback Land Cruisers event. We started sending, uh, we started attending so many events and we learned about mapping software and how to find stuff and how to use Gaia maps and what MVUM maps are. Every weekend we went somewhere, camping, off-roading, adventuring, finding waterfalls, hiking, exercising, whatever we could do. It became, I don't really want to say an obsession because it was so relaxing to us that life became better. We didn't age as fast because we didn't have all that stress. It was the void that we had had for so long. It was like the outdoors had been calling me, this is what you need. Not like it needed me, but like it needed to give me something. It needed to give me peace, comfort, tranquility, serenity. I felt new and refreshed. And during a work week, I would have opportunities to look at gear and research. And weekends, we went out and I lived for the weekend. And now the rest is history. We have overlanded in over 15 states, thousands and thousands of miles, making memories constantly. We can't get enough. I cannot take enough pictures. I constantly have to go through and delete pictures and videos on my phone because I'm filling up all of the space. We're trying out new things. We're seeing what we like. We're changing out what we don't like and getting rid of it. Maybe it's better for somebody else and not for us. We're upgrading to nicer things. We now have a trailer and a rooftop tent. And it's not that I feel more like an overlander because I could care less about that. It's about being comfortable. It's about bringing that much more peace, comfort, and tranquility to something that you love. Because if you go out and you're not comfortable, 
or you go out and you have to worry about this working or that working or getting there or getting stuck or not being able to find something or getting lost. It's not about being the top overlander in the world. I could care less. I need this as an avenue to get away from everyday, ordinary life. It's like it was calling me, saying, you need this. It's been a lifelong, life-changing dedication to a calling. You know, some people say the mountains are calling. I never understood that till I went to the mountains. And when you go there and you get away from the heat and the humidity and you see the vast expanse of creation and the long distance views and the beautiful scenery, I hear him calling. I hear him calling. How has getting outdoors and overlanding evolved in your life? Where are you now compared to where you started? Where are you going? What are your goals? And has it changed your life for the better? Thank you for listening. The Overland Philosopher is a way for me to express how I feel my life reminisce, and just get things out because if you hold things in, it can be cancerous. And thank you for allowing me to visit with you, talk about these things, and share my experiences with you. Get out while you still have time. Go see something new. Go see something that you've never seen before. Get outside. Experience that peace, that tranquility, while you still have time, because I guarantee you it will add some days to your life and take that stress away. Hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. Be safe. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We just got back from Artemis Overland Hardware's Expo 2020. Aaron at Artemis wanted to give back to all of his customers for for supporting him in this business. Since COVID hit, Aaron has done really well. People have been ordering online. He just came out with his new website, ArtemisOverlandHardware.com. Whatever you need, rooftop tents, extraction tools, hatchets, lights, ground tents, kitchens, cook stoves, whatever you need, Aaron has it at ArtemisOverlandHardware.com. Check it out today. Give Aaron a call. I guarantee you he'll set you up with whatever you need to get going, whether it's outdoors, overlanding, whatever you do. ArtemisOverlandHardware.com
So let me tell you about my friends at LensonSolar.com. L-E-N-S-U-N Solar.com. Linson provides all of the solar panels, everything that you need to keep everything charged. They have flexible solar panels, foldable solar kits, solar blankets, solar controllers, solar generators, everything you need to keep everything that you have that needs electricity charged when there is no electricity. So check out LensonSolar.com today. They run specials constantly. They have sales constantly and they have the best prices great products they have warehouses in the uk united states and australia and they will ship products anywhere in the world check out linsonsolar.com today